0: Session with With Elisa Di di Battista Maria Maria Teresa Teresa Barbara.
1: Welcome to our third session of RCS Rocking Chair Sessions with our special guest Kristen Page Minot. 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 Just minot. Minot. If you're pronouncing it in the French minot. way. It's a French name. It is a French name. Yeah,
2: and what do you know what it means? Well, it's sort of unusual because the the spelling is not anything that's it's a French spelling, but it doesn't actually mean anything in French. The closest things to it are minot, which I believe are handcuffs, and then <laughs> minot, which means cute. So it sort of does encapsulate the extremes of my personality <laughs> in some way. So, so yeah, cute. So handcuff, in between whatever.
0: handcuffs and cute. Yes, exactly. Wow, I imagine like uh, fluffy pink handcuffs. You know that would be like. For Barbie or, something.
1: or the rough and the smooth, which I have seen in your artwork. So I think that's funny that you say oh, it's like the yeah. opposites of you, yeah. right? Like the more refined, but also like the texturized.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like the last show that I did to the wilderness show, which the subtitle for it was the delicate and the fierce, mm-hmm. which I felt all of you know, my work certainly expressed in the other two artists in the show. Um, but it was exactly that, like this combination of extremely sort of elegantly fragile and completely strong at the Mm -hmm. same time. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Neat. Well, let's talk about your latest show. We actually, that's the first point that we have here. Point number one is (laughs) (laughs) a latest art show. So you already jumped in. So tell us a little bit more about your wilderness show. How did that come about? Where did you get the opportunity to do that?
2: Well, it all stemmed um, from this residency that I did in Alaska this past summer um, in the Tongass National Forest. Um, It was a national parks residency. Um, There was... I don't know. I was really surprised and grateful to have won the experience, if you will. Um, but yeah, so I spent about a week in the Tongass National Forest, which is federally designated wilderness. So Beautiful. no people, no um, no access to anything modern whatsoever. In fact, you know, we had to take various communications provisions like satellite phones in order to be able to no electricity, no nothing, no AC, wow. no electricity, no, heat. no just just bears. <gasps> Rangers, whales, um, a couple rifles just in case, bear spray, and kayaks. every tent? Yeah. Oh, a tent. So everything, there were five of us. Everything that we had, we put in um, three kayaks, two two-person kayaks and one one-person kayak. And we camped in one site for um, three nights and then another site for another three nights. But it was open sea kayaking and basically um, patrolling. The, the wilderness to, to make sure that it, it stayed wilderness. So mm-hmm. that's one of the provisions that the government provides like in our national park. So I was mm-hmm. fortunate enough to be able to accompany these rangers and see what they do, as well as to experience this untouched wilderness. Mm-hmm. Wow, so that's so cool. Yeah, so what really struck me about it was um, how, after about, first of all, the first thing was that I really felt as if I was on another planet. Mm-hmm. Um, my sense of space and time and reality entirely shifted because it's something that none of us really experience on a regular basis. Anyone that anymore. I know anyway yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. So it was like this beautiful window into into another time, but at at this time in our present reality. Mm-hmm. So it was like this really stark contradiction between you know um, an industrial uh, society that's a product at this point of the industrial revolution and um, you know, what this planet really is, you know? Mm-hmm. So it felt like this, this wonderful gift, but the other thing that I noticed was about six days in, you know, no showers, nothing, you oh, know? Fine. So um, I realized that nothing that was relevant to me in my normal day-to-day life was relevant to me at all mm-hmm. there. You know, it was a, am I, am I warm or cold? Am I hungry? you know, am I, am I tired? Um, and it was this incredibly freeing experience where all the sort of detritus, uh, like all the cacophony of things that are normally in our daily lives, like social media and like the 25,000 different tasks that you're trying to manage at any given moment um, were all completely I- irrelevant. And there was like this sort of calm and peace. Um, but so the show stemmed from that residency mm-hmm. and what I wanted to do with it was uh really to find a way to illustrate you know for the general public through the artworks the like this beauty and majesty that's in the in the minutiae as well as you know the the regular sort of life-size one-to-one relationship that human beings have to the environment but the minutia. um like the, the beauty and the grandeur of what goes, what nature really is, and mm-hmm. how, like we feel like in some ways we have command over it because we've learned to master so many aspects of it, but there are still so many things that I think that we don't understand, mm-hmm. um, and just being overwhelmed with it really like made that idea, um, it drove it home. Um, so what I chose to do was to take these macro photographs of various things that I saw and then um, invert them and place them on mirror so a couple things are happening um, conceptually. One is that uh, because the images are inverted um, you you recognize the forms um, but you're not, you're
1: like I recognize this and it's really beautiful but I I can't quite identify it. Mm -hmm. Like your experience, like that alien familiarity you had with the... Exactly, so
2: still revealing, like finding ways to reveal the mystery that is still there as mm-hmm. well as to force people in some ways to explore something that they think they understand but, but don't quite. Um, so that also happens due to the the macro nature of the photographs. Like mm-hmm. one piece um, is probably like an eighth inch section of a mushroom but I've made it at, you know, a, it's a four feet, it's a four foot piece. Mm-hmm. Um... So, which looks kind of like a moonscape, like it looks like it, it, it could be a photograph from a, a telescope of another planet or something. And being able to, you know, draw that um, analogy between those extremes, I think, is another really important way of um, sort of unseating people's preconceived ideas mm-hmm. about, about what they see. They're like, oh yeah, a fern but there's there's way, there's way more in there you know so that and then placing them on mirror
0: and um, the shape is also very distinct right it's right. it's an oval like a but it's lying on the on the in your side, or I'm not sure how to say
1: that. Are all of them like this? Like it's elliptical, but not vertical, more towards that? the horizontal side. The hor- kind horizontal of pl- it makes me oval? think of planetary, that- it makes me think of planetary, like the rings. Like, very oh, that's interesting. I like that. Um, no, the, the reason that I chose
2: the ovals was because I wanted these to be portraits of, of oh, nature, okay. mm-hmm. so but. <laughs> What I didn't anticipate was that a lot of the formats that I was going to do this in were um, horizontal. So they're horizontal ovals, not vertical ovals. Because the reason that I chose an oval, um, the the reason we visually associate vertical ovals with portraits is because that's the form traditionally used like for matting, Mm -hmm. say, if you're taking a portrait of a human being, because you don't need those four um, corners, corners, you know. So that was the the reason for choosing um, the oval format. And then the the final element um, formally in them that it should contribute conceptually to how they're read is um, that they're on mirror. So mm-hmm. in some way, so there th- these nature is placed in an environment which it reflects and is reflected in it um, because you know the the mirror allows some reflection of what's in the environment that the piece is placed in, and then. You know the so there's a dialogue that is sort of forced between um, the piece in its environment and between the people that are viewing it because mm-hmm. it's very subtle but you know you can perceive yourself in it like there's some there's some places in which the mirror is more um, evident and you can actually see yourself not in any detail but w- so they're they're dynamic in that way and the other thing that happens with them is because I had to work with. Um, the transparencies of inks um, in order for the mirror to even come through because normally the way color is laid down there's always white behind it in order that the color be yes. saturated. Mm. So the white has to be, you have to work with the, the translucencies of the, of the opacities maybe, mm, probably tran- translucency or apparency of, of the inks in order for the mirror to actually um, show through. But what also happens is light is then allowed to pass through the ink. So when they receive direct reflection, the inks glow and the pieces actually have a life. Like they they sort of live, you know, Mm -hmm. via via light Mm -hmm. in the same way, you know, like maybe photosynthesis and the way we all sort of live by light. And um, another thing I was thinking about today, uh, because a friend of mine told me about this new uh, black that is made of uh, carbon nanotubes. Um, and basically it absorbs all light, all so light. it, like, eats all light. I saw that. Oh, my God. Is that I want to
1: purchase it. It's like a spray paint. It's, like, the ultimate block. It creates, yeah. creates completely Is it, like, eliminated. a dark hole? It's yes. Just it eliminates up all light whatsoever. That's yeah,
2: problem. so they on this uh, video that uh, my friend was showing me, they were saying – Oh, people have asked us to make a dress out of it, but the fellow who I'm sure is a scientist working on the project said, "I don't see why you would do that because basically you eliminate the person's form because we perceive form." Um, the reason that we can, you know, walk around in our environment is because light um, creates the shape of objects so we can, you know, see what's going on. So. It would be like an invisible cape. Like, you would be like... Yeah, I almost think, like, it would make you two-dimensional, so I think it would be really cool to actually wear a dress. Yeah. yeah. Because it would just be, like, you know, <laughs> head in hands or whatever, and the rest of you would be, like, the invisible, like... <laughs> Space <laughs> spacecraft war machine or something, I don't know. Oh my God, that sounds so um, futuristic.
1: I like that. And you oh said um, for your Wilderness show, you mentioned two other artists, so I'm curious how they came into play for your... Yeah, so, I
2: mean, when I was conceiving of the show, I immediately thought of two people, Christina Peterson and Leia Brown. Um, and because both of their work sort of really... Um, I think deals with those extremes of delicacy and fierceness Um, and, you know, formally their work does as well. Like in Christina's drawings there, there there's a lot of um, empty space, but yet a great amount of precision, precision drawing, you know, like photorealistic if you almost, if you will. Um, And a lot of nature imagery. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So. I really loved that balance between what is undescribed and like completely undescribed, like these vast open spaces that are just paper mm-hmm. in her drawings and then really exquisite, um, realistic depictions of natural forms and phenomena. Um, so it's this beautiful balance. And also
0: kind of her in it,
2: right? Like you're like
0: you, you also trying to bring the viewer into your work through the mirroring probably, mm-hmm. but Christina is also putting herself often into the nature seems, right? Yes. It's kind of like yeah. also yeah. a play yeah. with the person or the, the human
2: form in nature. Within the environment. In a way, mm-hmm. within the environment. And, and mm-hmm. she, I think sometimes she uses that as a way to um, describe aspects of herself, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So there's something fundamental, obviously, yeah. about nature and mm-hmm. the planet that I think it's definitely worth, you know, revisiting. Mm-hmm. Um and then Leia's work, the same thing, these, these new pieces that she's done, the inaccessible keys, are these laser cut um, drawings that she does on a computer first and then um, are laser cut with like an extreme amount of, of fine line and detail. Um, but they also are um, depicting and talking about, like they're called the inaccessible keys. Um, so she sort of um, surrealizes things that are, you know, animals, and forms, and places, um, and like depicts them realistically, but there's something completely magical and other, and generally her work for the past 12 years has been um, focused on like this liminal space between her dream world and reality, and she spends a lot of time in waking life, um, trying to reinforce um, and sort of call into being the um, the things that she dreams about and the subjects that she dreams about. So it's to me it was this beautiful um, again extremes like reality, unreality, quote unquote, if you will, like of uh, the dream world, like what is real, what isn't, um, you know. So it's, again, it's that beautiful treading of the line um, Mm. between extremes. Um, And something that I've always done and wanted to do in my work is find a way to formally articulate, like, really dive down deeply into the abstract essence of things and find a way to portray those, like, I'm not really interested in, you know, telling you something you already know, like, I want to find the core of meaning. In things and things and find a way to articulate that and usually those things are qualities, mm-hmm. abstract ideas if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is probably more substance in those ideas um, than maybe we yet understand even in terms of like you know physics and um, you know the material world. Mm-hmm. So like I wouldn't be, I'm not taking this pretty far but it's usually how I roll. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in however many years or generations, you know, we come to understand that there really is no space between us, that matter isn't what we think it is, that, you know, I mean, I think even in technology, right? Like the thing that the the, the internet and social media and all these things are doing is ba- breaking the, the space-time boundaries for us, right? Like we've always been going there. We've always been trying to transcend our limits. Mm-hmm. Um, and precedent has certainly proven, you know, however many hundreds of years ago, like the earth was flat, it's not, you mm-hmm. know, so what else is it that we don't know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, you know, I, I'm really into that sort of boundary of what, what, we, what we know and what we think is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that is like woven into my work in the show as well. And, Yes. Yeah, so. Into the, the wilderness show.
0: And that was at uh, that was, the show was at the laundromat?
2: Yeah, the show was at mm-hmm. Laundromat
0: Art Space. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then I don't know how much in more Miami, you want to hear about it. In
0: Miami, but our listeners know that because our listeners are from Miami. Our neither. local, for those non-locals, <laughs> the
1: Laundromat Art Space is an artist residency with a gallery in the front, correct? Correct. Yeah, we're an artist collective. There are
2: nine of us, eight studio spaces. And, you know, we bring in outside curators. Sometimes we curate our own shows. But the idea being really to you know bring sort of innovative work to the Miami community. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, well, and you're doing
0: really well there. I was just oh, thanks. Uh, at, at the opening of where Elisa's work was in there. Don't
1: mean drop. And it was in here. really. Yeah, <laughs> I, I
0: was not supposed to tell you guys that, but I'm telling you this. Elisa had a beautiful show there. But and I did it, appreciate the the it. And as, as an art space, it's doing very very well because it's it's pretty new. It's like. It is, we've been there two years, years, but we've we've
2: gotten a lot of press, you know, from Artsy to the New York Times, um, and we're just, it it just keeps growing, and it's really proven to me, like, how wonderful collaborating and being a collective can be, it's, like, amazing. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So, yeah. Yeah, well, I wanted to go back a little bit, because you mentioned um, traversing boundaries, and... How about Miami? Like, how long have you been here? Why Miami? Like, where did you originally come from, and how did you end up here?
2: Um, well, I spent most of my life in New York City, um, and I was working really in the corporate world. I worked for a pretty high up fellow um, at Condé Nast, and he lost his job, and I, in turn, lost my job. So, it was actually the happiest moment of my life. I was like, "Yes, now I can, now I can go do what I want to do." Um, So, I then moved to San Francisco to go to art school. Um, I went to SFAI, which is a small uh, school in Russian Hill in San Francisco, which is really amazing and was a wonderful experience. I read that,
0: and then I was just like, my my heart filled with worms. Fellow alumni. Fellow fellow alumni oh, from okay. SFI. We SFI. We need to talk
2: about that at some point, <laughs> no,
0: for That's sure. what I said. That's yeah. exactly yeah. what yeah. I said. Um, I was just like, oh my god, we have to talk about that.
2: But yeah, <laughs> we'll finish, finish your thought. Yeah. Yeah, so New so York, SFI. And so then. New York City as... I'm sure many people know is a very frenetic, intense um, experience, and I lived there from when I was like eleven till when I was about thirty one. And I just after art school, I knew that I wanted to come back east, um, and I knew I needed a major city because I've always been in them on the coast because I love freedom and the open water. Um, so. I, there really was only one other choice, it was like New York or Miami, I didn't really know anything about Miami and I just decided to move, it happened to be, this was about five years ago, so I've been here five years, and it just happened to be going through this like beautiful sort of cultural art renaissance that I feel like I got in on the ground floor of and, you know, it was like, you know, met the hundred people in the art world that's now expanded to, you know, several more, but um, it was just... Very easy to collaborate with people mm-hmm. and a lot more mellow than New York. New York,
1: yeah. So yeah. I love Miami. Wow. Wow. Um we covered the laundromat art space I, the, had, okay, I, I have a
0: question. There was eleven years you said eleven. You moved to New York when you were eleven. Yeah. And before that, like the first eleven
2: years? Actually, so when I was From five to twelve, or five to eleven, I lived in West Palm Beach, so I lived in South Florida. Oh, Um, okay.
0: Which back to the roots, full circle. Yeah, full circle. I mean, I was born in
2: Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but um, Mm. so what's interesting about that is the the ocean and all of that left my mind for all those you know twenty five years, and then when I came back, it just was resounding. You know, in my in my mind and my heart and my soul, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, it's funny because I have never been like an activist or 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 anything of that kind. I've always been sort of more of um, a philosopher, sort of you know introvert in some ways. Even though I can I have my moments, but um, so it's been interesting to me that you know my last big project, disposable ethic, was all about. Nature and ethics, and then this next project, the the wilderness series, um, is also all about nature. Mm -hmm. So it's it's one of those things where sometimes you're you're surprised by yourself and you're informed. Um, You you know you can surprise yourself. So and that was Rousseau, right? Correct
0: me if I'm wrong. The French
2: philosopher
0: who was talking about going back to nature. That that was kind of like for the highest philosophical goal. We don't have to. It's been so many Rousseau, years since i John read yourself. Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Mm-hmm. Jean-Jacques Rousseau. We'll I confirm think that. I, I think, well, <laughs> our listeners are going to correct those, be confirmed, probably. But <laughs> not to be
1: confirmed in the commentary. Yeah. Um, you mentioned disposable ethics, and that's also on our list to go over tonight. Um, can you talk about the performance aspect of your work? Because I know you were That was the Maria disposable project, yes. right? Yeah. Maria yeah. was able to witness it live. And Fat Village. At oh, Fat okay, Village. Fat yeah. Village in For the That festival, was last yeah. year's. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got to see mm-hmm. the pho- ph- photographic installation at the Ann Gallery, and mm-hmm. I know that you also had um, a setup at Art Wynwood about a year ago. Yeah, so I did a performance kind last upon year that a little bit. That'd be great.
2: Um, okay, so I'll just give you a brief overview of the project. Again, it's called Disposable Ethic, um, and it's essentially about mankind's conflicted relationship to his inventions, specifically with respect to plastic. So it's really phenomenally beautiful that we can create a new polymer mm-hmm. to nature mm-hmm. in plastic, mm-hmm. but really tragic the way that we use um, that gift. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a sort of evolutionary irony in the sense that when a species is given an adaptative gift, it's supposed to allow them to better adapt. In the case of hu- humanity's intelligence, it som- that sometimes seems to be at odds with our survival and our adaptation to the environment, right? Mm-hmm. so. Um, That was the conceptual premise for the project Um, and really more than being an environmental project, it was an ethical project, so disposable ethic. Um, So the original idea was to create a series of photographs um, with a human being in water and plastic. So the first image that came to my mind was, um, I don't know if people have seen those like when you're in uh, grade school and you're being taught science, and they're specimens of various animals or whatever preserved in formaldehyde in jars, yes. I thought to myself, you know, what if you know, however many thousands of years from now some alien future will look back on us and see you know, a specimen of a human being preserved in whatever um, with a bunch of plastic surrounding them. So I had this really sort of haunting image in my mind of um, a specimen of humanity in a bunch of water and, and plastic. So um, I had a tank built um, that's a four by seven foot plexiglass tank lined in unfinished rusting steel and hidden LED lights. And then I filled it with water and four different plastic materials each individually. So um, plastic water bottles, bubble wrap, um, Ziploc bags and garbage bags. Mm-hmm. And the original intent of the project was to do a series of photographs mm-hmm. which were made. Um, And then I realized that this really was also a performance piece, Um, so, and there was also video made from the project, but, um, so I started, I was actually, this is interesting because I was really terrified to do this performance. a lot of it's not performance is not something that I have done when I was in school taking I would try to take music classes and play guitar and my just hands would shake I would not be able to perform in the class, um, so here I am you know now I'm going to you know be in be in a be in a wetsuit or a, some sort of minimal costume and be in front of a in front of a bunch of people and do this performance, right? So the first time I did it, I was absolutely terrified. And I've done it probably six or seven times um, throughout South Florida. Um, And by the time I, I find like the second or third time I became comfortable with it, I, it was like the most, I realized it was the most cathartic experience I had ever had Mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. Because basically I was using my body um, to express everything that was in like my heart and mind. So at some point I let go and just really became you know what it was that I was trying to depict. Either you know the beauty of of sort of glorying in an invention or the suffocation of you know sea life under plastic and a variety of different things. So I designed and choreographed his performance in the water. Um, And yeah, so it's the first time I've ever done performance art. Um, it just sort of naturally came out of the project, um, and it it was wonderful. I mean, just personally, it was the, literally the most cathartic amazing. experience I've ever Amazing, amazing. So was, I recommend yeah.
1: it to, to all yeah. artists doing some listeners. sort of performance. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, um, just bouncing off what you were previously saying about your first experience performing and using yourself as a subject in, I guess you could call it more of a transformational point of view in that you were previously just taking still images. That's what you had intentioned. Is that the first time you had yourself as a subject or in prior work did you also use yourself as? No, I've actually always photographed myself. Um, Yeah, so I
2: think... I always I've always done abstract painting mm-hmm. and it's probably my first love and I refuse to take any art classes in college because I was like I do not want to open this up to ruining it basically why, with other people's perspectives okay um so I've actually never tried to do that professionally but at some point I believe uh some a series will come out um but so the second thing that I've Done was I was given a, a camera when I was sixteen by my piano teacher's husband, who was also a great inspiration in terms of physics um, and that subject matter. Um, anyway, so he gave me this this camera, a Nikon FE, and I I still have the first self portrait that I took, which is also very sort of revealing and it speaks again to the extremes. Um, it's this. Picture of myself that I took in my my apartment in New York City up against the window, um, and I'm it's it's just uh, a two thirds portrait, but I'm I'm nude and covering myself. But what I did in the dark room was flip um, the image and ex- expose it um, flipped as well, so it becomes like um, this. Uh, like Madonna horror type thing, like um, an or the an spirit matter type thing. Um, so again, it's these extremes. The duality. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna sort of scratch the Madonna horror thing. So I'm not really into that idea. It's really more like the the spirit matter, like trying to transcend, trying to find a way to depict, transcending our our form, mm-hmm. and some way to express more of who we really are besides um, sort of what we can see physically. My first um, series of self-portraits that I did was uh, there were long exposure, basically, long exposure performances, really, where I would costume myself. Um, It just sort of would happen naturally. I wouldn't decide what to do beforehand, but I would be putting on all these things. and, And then I set up the camera and in a completely dark room, so that I couldn't I couldn't be aware of myself and have that um, insecurity that, that we have when we're, we're self-aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just took a light and basically performed with the light and moved according to how I felt. And that became um, my first series of self-portraits. It's called Formless. Um, so long story short, and I, I've, met, I've photographed myself many other times. Long story short, I've, I've always used, I've used myself a lot. Um, but I feel like it's never really been about me. Like, I'm the disposable ethic photographs as well, but the only reason that I am is because I believe really strongly that um, when somebody is photographed, there are so many nuances and, and, and details that are expressed in just the slightest of, of expressions that if it were anyone else no matter how much I directed them it would be their sense of what the project was about so I really had no choice like Mm -hmm. it had to be me Mm -hmm. Um, and oftentimes both in the Formless series that I mentioned and Disposable Ethic people don't know it's me. You know, and that's that's wonderful. Yeah. And I, and I feel that in some way that speaks to maybe the truth of the intention of what I'm trying to do, because mm-hmm. it's not about you know, hey, look at me. It's about I'm 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 deeply trying to, to express you know this thing, mm-hmm. um, it, which is not
1: about me. Okay. So well, you mentioned long story short, and we kind of started of want the long story here. So okay, <laughs> I wanted to pry open a little bit more towards you mentioned working for somebody in a really high ranking position for Condé Nast, and then you mentioned you started photographing at 16 years old, so I'm wondering that loss of a job at 31, that prompted you to, you know what, I'm gonna go study art, pursue my passion, move to San Fran, versus being 16 years old. What happened <laughs> with your artwork in between those years? It's like the, the unknown, like what occurred? Um, yeah, so, well,
2: my, my teenage years were rather tumultuous. Um, like I, I did not go to high school. Um, so there was a lot of running around, let's just say. Um, and then, you know, it was sort of by the grace of God, if you will, that I was actually able to go to college and went to a really good undergraduate school. I went to Bard in upstate New York. Um, and I studied literature because I, what I wanted to do was, um, I felt I had to start from the beginnings. I, I didn't go to high school. so. Um, I started studying the classics. I learned mm-hmm. Latin, and then I discovered I was really good at languages and words in general. Um, ironically, I, I really couldn't put together a proper paragraph when I was 17, you know? Mm-hmm. And now, it's, you know, writing is something that I'm, I'm, I'm asked to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but anyway, so I studied literature and classics, so I really wasn't studying art, you know, and Mm -hmm. as I was saying in college, I never wanted to take an art class because I didn't want that, like the sort of purity of the activity to be, to be taken away from me. It was something that I I needed. So I just worked for myself. I just painted basically. Um, And then when I got out of college, I moved to New York city and you know, it was just trying to survive and and different jobs. but I, I sort of learned a lot from all of them. Like for instance, the first job I had was I worked for these architects. Um, they're called Asymptote. And they're actually um, very accomplished, you know, a very accomplished firm. But I what I wanted from the job was I said, I want to work, because um, th- one of the things that I did before that was, I was really into 3D animation. So I took classes at NYU in, in Maya mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, So one thing art-wise that I did, I made a, and this is like speaks to what we were saying earlier um, in terms of pushing the boundaries of human knowledge and whatever, I made a a commercial for photon thought packets. So this was like 20 years ago, and my idea was that in some way we would be able to formally um, put into like a little pellet um, a, a thought, and you could take that, and they were made of photons, and in my mind, they were made of light. And um, you would take them, and then you would, you know, be have able to ref- have these thoughts, right? Ooh, so it was a commercial know. for photon thought pellets. Wow. I, would I really understand. need to find the little DV that it is on because oh, I have no idea. my God. I, I save everything, so it's probably somewhere. Um, but, yeah, so it would be little things like that that I did. Um, but when I started working for Asymptote, like, what I wanted from a job was I, I want to be in, like, a loft with creative people, Um, doing something with like 3D work Um, and I think there was one other thing that I wanted and I ended up in this architecture firm where they were doing these beautiful projects like creating music from the way that traffic you know moved across a bridge Um, and from them like I, I learned how to you know deal with a a visual library, you know, like a bunch of images and how how to, you know, work with that media and, you know, obviously they were using 3D software in mm-hmm. order to make these architecture projects, but they weren't just buildings, they were like creative projects. Um, so, I also got from them um, my love of electronic music because this was like 20 years ago. One of these guys was the first to have his own <laughs> server incredible. of electronic music. Wow. And he had all he would just bring in all day. It would be all this. And I just fell in love, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, there was art happening. It wasn't just, it, it just wasn't like, um, you know, I, I'm pursuing this as a craft or a profession. Um, so, I think life was just happening in between those things. You yeah. know, 16 and in art school.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to quote, um they said at a I went to a round table tonight at Miami Dade Community College and they said um that nothing's linear, life isn't linear. So I think mm-hmm. even though you were not on the current path you are now, like it somehow obviously fit into what you're doing. Absolutely. Um okay, one of our next questions, which I'm also excited about is um How do you separate or define your fine artwork versus your high fashion work? Because I know you do both as a photographer now, professionally. You do both fine artwork as well as high fashion. I do less fashion now um,
2: because I found the world was, as much as I believe strongly that um, ornamentation is art, the the fashion world itself can be really superficial. Um, So what happened was the fashion work turned into what I called fashion art projects um, which I don't do as much now but did pretty heavily for a while um, and uh, yeah so what is the question Was that asked? what
0: you were doing in New York like after the architecture firm was that what at Condé Nast, was that fashion photography that you were doing No no
2: no or were I, you, or was it, it was never totally part of two, two different two worlds Yeah totally oh, different that was
1: in my head So yeah. how did you stumble upon the fine the high fashion Photography. photography? I
2: just started photographing models in um, in San Francisco. Um, oh, that started in school. school. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the reason I chose photography, in a way, was just because I realized I wanted to create these sort of otherworldly tableaus. Like, I've never been interested in using photography for, but one of my professors, um, a pretty uh, famous guy who Is a figure in the New Topographics um, from the the 70s, Hank Wessel. Um, He was like, Kristen, this is not what photography is best at. You know, because I would be making these like light painting type things. And he was like, yeah, but this is not what it's best at. It's best at documentation. I've never wanted to use it for that. I've always wanted to um, use it to be able to create these otherworldly tableaus and then have a record of them. So I guess in some way I'm using it as documentation, but um, not in the traditional way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the, the fashion thing, I mean, it still pervades my work like I, I believe a lot in, in beauty. Um, and so but I am right now I'm a little, I'm a little over um, the figurative, I'm a little over pho- photographing people. Um, and I, I just want to explore, explore concepts more without, um, because it's, when you have a figure in the photograph, it's like, it just overwhelms everything in a lot of ways. So I'm just looking for other ways to express, um, what I'm thinking about. Like going on the macro
0: level of, of. Yeah. I mean,
2: I'm getting more and more abstract, which is, is how I always, how I always do.
0: Which is how I imagine your paintings to be, kind of too, yeah. right? It's like this equal yeah. quality in the photographs.
2: Exactly. Um, I do want to make a small a shout out. I didn't mention um, in when we were talking about the wilderness show, uh, my good friend and uh, wonderful fashion designer and artist um, Lisa Vega. She was uh, she and Marissa Almanick, um the choreographer, um, and founder of Alma Dance Theatre, we we did a, a, a performance piece together saw images. was screen the dance. dance, right? Uh, no, this oh, was, was, was not a, a screen dance. dance. This oh, was a, a live performance that mm-hmm. was that happened at the opening night of the Wilderness Show. Oh, and it, it was, was that video of that? macro yeah. video that mm-hmm. I took in Alaska. And then I asked Marissa to choreograph something that reflected sort of the movement um, and the forms and what was going on in this macro video of nature. Mm-hmm. And then I asked Lisu to design um, a, a sculpture-slash-garment um, that again reflected those same things, and then that performance happened um, on opening night of the show, and it probably to me that was the soul of the show. So mm-hmm. that's kind of why I wanted to mention it. It like mm-hmm. all came together, and it was just the loveliest thing in the world. Um, so yeah, forget where I was. <laughs> that was that was great
0: because that was also after you did your performance with disposable eth- ethics, right? Ethic, yeah, ethic that that performance came after for the wilderness show mm-hmm. yeah and so performance you were, you were not but you were were you part of in that performance were you performing live or you i did you, not perform you no, were but organizing the I, performance. Yeah, i basically you um, built
2: conceived the performance, conceived mm-hmm. the yeah. performance mm-hmm. and then worked with marissa and mm-hmm. lisu to to have it make it come together. And was it out of that
0: performance that the film, the dance film came out of? Because I do want to put my finger on that because I was so excited to see that.
2: Yeah, no, the dance films, um, that's something that... I had never I'd never heard of a screen dance before. A screen mm-hmm. dance is a short dance film, but these films can be produced with the same level of production as, you know, a big Hollywood picture. Um, so, but there's this entire genre of these things and a, a few years ago at PAM, the Perez Art Museum, I saw a, um, a presentation of the CineDance. CineDance is a, a Dutch um, screen dance, dance film festival. Um, and I saw a few of those films and it was the first time I had been inspired in a long time. They were just phenomenal. Um, I've always loved dance. Um, and I thought to myself, I really want to make one of these. And it happens to be that one of the, Lisu and Marissa are, are the two people that I s- first met when I moved to Miami and started working with. And funnily enough, they were sort of out of my life for a little while and they are now back strong in it again. So I mm-hmm. love dance, love dancers. That's why I started making screen dances. Marissa and I made, um, also with Christina Peterson, um, we made a screen dance two years ago called Black Carriage, White Heart. Um, and then this year, Marissa and I got together and um, I conceived of this other film, *Screen Dance*, that I wanted to make, and she and I worked together on it. Um, I built a set out of aluminum foil for it, <laughs> which was pretty crazy. And, uh, yeah, so now she and I, Marissa and I, are going to Scotland for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. We're going to make a multimedia wow. performance wow. piece, I'm like insane. the one that was made for Wilderness, and mm-hmm. also collaborate with Lee Sue to have her... Uh, make a garment for it and project the film on Marissa, the dancer, and do another multimedia performance piece. So and that's
1: quite amazing. I'm
2: looking forward to that. Performances performances. that sounds is, beautiful is is in my world. Really, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's not something. going anywhere. No, it's not at all. At all. this is yeah, at all. Yeah, you're just starting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's always been. I mean, I think we, we sort of come into ourselves, um, and the the more comfortable we are, the, the stronger we become, the less afraid we become the easier it is for who we are naturally to come out and then those things start to just flourish. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well talking a little bit more about that journey. I love how you mentioned that obviously you, you weren't born in South Florida, but you did grow up here slightly for a little period and then you came back and it opened up this whole world. And I feel that a lot of the work you came to, to pass to happen actually was not necessarily Floridian work, but I mean, with the water and the bottles, which I, I feel when we go on the, the beach environmental and stuff. Issues. environmental issues. And then you went to Alaska, and you had the micro macro experience. How do you feel your work might possibly potentially be affected now that you go abroad? and take this kind of sort of this whole orchestration like do you feel it'll be like completely different or your subject matter will somewhat be the same but how do you feel going forward?
2: I mean being in the the Fringe Festival is going to be great because we are going to be staying with a bunch of other performance artists and and dancers, really mostly dancers I think. Um, But so basically I'm going to be able to meet all of these other choreographers and performers and I've I've always wanted to go to Ireland. I'm partially Irish, so I'm going to do the whole Scotland-Ireland thing, and I have absolutely no idea what's going to come out of it, but I'm sure something will. Uh It could be some epic land art piece, like coom, coom, performance. I don't really know. I definitely at some point want to do more performance work because, as I said, it was just phenomenally cathartic. Um, I think I felt the freest I've ever felt um, after after doing it, so there's like an exhilaration um, that happens. So, yeah, I don't know.
1: We'll we'll just, like, what will it unlock? How will you record it? Will there be a drone involved? So you could do, like, this massive, (laughs) epic panoramic. I really want to start uh, working with
2: drones. I feel like if I started working with drones, I don't even know what would happen. (laughs) um, (laughs) So, I think it needs to be done. It needs to be
0: done, yeah. I totally agree. It needs to be
1: happened. Okay, well, I guess, do we have how much time do we have left? I would say... um,
2: we
0: we 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 have time for like the, the last couple of questions I would say is there anything else that you have coming up that you would like to share with yeah, us? anything listeners? you're excited
1: about new pieces, new
2: shows. Um, I I mean really right now I'm working on um, doing more of these this work on mirror so I want to do um, a Florida series um, and I I, I want to expand the the of them somehow so I, I'd like them to get larger um, um, to become sort of like even more alive with light somehow so I'm gonna be working more on on that series um, have you thought of the airy residency
1: yeah I just residency pictured residency that in my yeah, mind everybody's. I was like you would be so great for that I so
2: have I have yeah and I've not yet applied for it perhaps I will Directly. I'm not sure um, I could
0: totally see you there I mean it's it's a tough environment yeah it's, uh, it yeah depends but you on
1: survived the, Alaska I mean bring it you know gators.
2: <laughs> gators don't a, go there in the no, summer no, no, no. <laughs> bear
1: rifles I mean yeah I don't know I'm like perhaps. more afraid of like
2: water snakes than I am of bears so I don't know if that but makes any I, 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 sense I, I, I totally feel you yeah, yeah. I like, really have in. to do some serious mental letting go in yeah. order to rock that one yeah
0: yeah
1: okay and um any shows that we should look forward to i mean you did mention the thing in scotland which i think will be great in edinburgh An- An- Am- 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 yeah the edinburgh
2: Am- fringe festival um it's going to be august 5th through august 12th mm-hmm. um right now uh the series that we've been discussing the wilderness series is up at the far gallery along mm-hmm. with we sort of continued the show Leia and i um christina christina's work had to go elsewhere but um leah's work and my work um, are up at the Far Gallery now it just opened this
1: Saturday so it should be up
2: for another four to six weeks
1: mm-hmm. believe. Um, closing date one so our listeners could go check it out <laughs> I actually four to six weeks is don't know yeah, like four to six
2: weeks July-ish so, June so May. So, so probably end of May mid-June okay I mean, that's exciting exactly. and Far Side
0: Gallery or far?
2: FAR? FAR, F-A-R. And where is that located? In Fat Village. in Fort Fat oh, Village. Excellent.
0: Oh, I know okay. where that is. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. That's where your I performance to it out. took place. Yes, so I, did it, the, I did it there, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. sure. All right,
0: then we are coming to our final question, so which is awesome probably the movie. most difficult one. I know.
2: Okay, bring right ahead.
0: You might not have realized that this rocking chair is actually magical and it uh, allows you to... Hand over to the universe yeah. three of your wishes,
1: whatever they may be, that
0: you really wanna, uh, you know, come true.
1: So, if you could have anything or make anything happen, you can also just say be?
0: cookies, which, yes, <laughs> <we> which <laughs> Jenna kind of sort
1: of sucks, so you shouldn't. But it, it,
0: what, what just comes to you? Three wishes that you wanna put out into the universe.
1: Um.
2: I wish that or I I hope to continue to find um, to be able to live in the present and really find that sort of peace of letting go of um, you know all the things that you think you need to have or things that you don't have like I, I just wish that I could be more Grateful and therefore more free. You know, we all want to be as free as possible. I think that's probably my my mm-hmm. biggest wish. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of something more specific.
0: Mm.
1: I don't know. That's a pretty big wish. I think I think does, uh, that, does that include all this, three wishes? It, this I think perhaps. I mean, it's such a wise one. I'm like, do you I mean, want a second it, and yeah, third
0: wish? Yeah, I think no, nothing can tell. Ta- did that you have wish. dinner
1: today? If you did it what would you want? <laughs> That's I a good I did it. I did it. I <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. um, like that wish I, would like the, I really, really, really want to go to Japan. I, okay. I, oh, that's a so good So bucket wish. list,
1: things could be wishes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Me Tokyo, too, by the way. Tokyo. I've just
2: yeah. always been fascinated by the Japanese, and I felt like maybe because like they experienced this incredible ac- apocalypse um, with the nuclear bombs, like there's yeah. something about them, there's something about their art that actually has sort of both of those things, like it's super minimal, but like so rich yeah um, and and like intensely apocalyptic in a lot of ways so definitely want to go to japan um iceland is on my list um, what other things do i really want
1: i don't know that was three that was three okay iceland. freedom and
0: japan and iceland yeah freedom peace in tokyo <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> okay. freedom peace in tokyo i think those are the best
1: Mirror Last grade. three words ever. I don't think I can make any of those happen. But I'll remind you to we're be We're putting it out into the universe. We're we'll putting we're putting it out it's, to the universe. It's gonna happen. Right it's on, on. Happen. right on. Well. Alrighty. We want to thank you, Kristen.
0: Kristen, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank and I'm you. I'm so excited. I met an SFAI along <laughs> here in Miami. Another I know one. We're we going to stay in touch Absolutely. for sure.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and thanks so much again, Elisa. And thank you, Maria, for our. I'm excited. Is your uh, it's, uh, it's, it's our third is session. Already. Yes. It's already our third session already.
0: And thanks to all our listeners. We're so excited that you are um, following us, that you're listening to us, that you. Look at our Instagram pictures and our Facebook site. And yeah, we are going to be
1: back next week. With another South Florida artist. Mm.
0: Surprise, surprise. All right. Bye, guys.